Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to another edition of the Steelers Fix podcast, a part of the Steel Curtain Network from Fans First Sports. My name is Jeremy Betts. I'm joined as always by my good friend Andrew Wilbar. Here on the Fix, we talk all things Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. And Andrew, uh, the the roster and, and players that we've been talking about all off season came out in Week One and uh, underwhelmed to an immense degree. Outside of that specific issue, Andrew, how are you doing, my man? Well, it's been said before that it doesn't matter whether you lose by one or a hundred, uh, the loss still counts the exact same. So it, nothing really went right. And we're going to get into some of the reasons why it didn't go right potentially and see is if it was just a fluke game or if this is like the Steelers just are not as good and we just needed a lesson of humility when it came to the <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers this year. It could be any of that, and we'll get into that. But other than that, yes, I'm doing well overall. At least Michigan won. Uh, yeah. It's It's been a very wild week one, and it always is every year because there's always surprises. We all think we have it figured out, and then we find out that we don't and we have absolutely no clue what's going on half the time and i mean we're as we're recording this we're watching the monday night football game and aaron Rodgers. i mean what a storyline yeah. that he yeah. you know who knows how serious this injury is going to be but regardless out for the first game that he's in new york and now zach wilson gonna have to find a way to bring them back here in the second half we'll see what happens it's halftime right now but uh i tell you what it's been a wild week one and it's gonna be it's going to be an interesting ride, regardless of how good the Steelers are. It's going to be an intriguing season. The AFC is is a mess after week one. It really is. I mean, you've got the Browns yeah. beating up on the Bengals. <laughs> you've got um, the, the Dolphins and the Chargers looking like the best two teams in the AFC facing off against each other. You had NFC teams beating up on the supposedly – uh, incredible AFC. I mean, it was it was a, a crazy week, and I just think that you know the Rodgers injury, the uh, Travis Kelsey issues going on in in Kansas City, and maybe even deeper issues than that. I think there's there th- this is a week, Andrew. If any of them, this is the week that you can kind of crumple up the piece of paper and throw it away and say okay the the season didn't start last week it's it's starting more it's more like it's starting this week or even a couple weeks you know you just got to be willing to as a fan accept the fact that week one is a crazy crapshoot that's what it is you just you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to to peg it any one way you can't overreact you can't overlook it to a point as well but it's just it's such a crazy game. And I think that's my, my biggest takeaway from a really lackluster Steelers performance is we still don't know. We just, we just still don't know if this team is good and had a bad day or if they're bad and it's going to be a rough season. We're not going to know for a while. I mean, we may not even know by the time the bye week rolls around in week six, hopefully you're, you're above water. You're at least floating in that regard. And then you try to put something together, but sometimes the Steelers start slow. And I think that, you know, you can't just say, okay, well, we've got all these issues and if unless we fix them all next week, then we're done. And so it's, it's gotta be taken with a grain of salt to a point. Uh, is that kind of your feel as well before we jump into our two minute drills here? Or do you have kind of another thought on 
week one overall. No, I agree. Because when you, you look at you say 30 to seven, are, are the 49ers that good? I mean, I, we understand that the 49ers are a legitimate contender in the NFC, but I mean, we, we both looked at them and are like, you know, they're not great. Like that. I don't think mm-hmm. that they're a significantly better team than they were last year. And yeah. And you and we can look at it anyway and say, yeah, the 49ers are great, but are they really 30 to seven better than the Steelers? Is that a differential that yeah. great? I just don't think so. But there's no way to know, like, you know, was that were the Steelers just really that bad and the 49ers were on their game? Or is there's so many factors because there were so many things that went wrong. There's not just one point we can point the one place we can point the finger at and say yeah that's going to solve all the issues going forward it's like everything went wrong so you almost have to hope it's just a fluke game they weren't on Tomlin didn't have the team prepared and you just hope that he does for a divisional game in week two absolutely well let's do it Andrew let's jump into our two-minute drills back in full action here we'll start with you and your your week two uh, college report really quick and then it's the return of good bets and bad bets fantasy football recap here in my two minute drill that we'll do just after that. But Andrew, let me pull up the timer here and uh, you can't see me in our recording studio here. I'm having some issues with my cam, uh, my, my webcam. So I will be giving you some verbal signals here. <laughs> I'll give you a, a 30 second warning. How about that? Just to, to give you that. And then I will throw up the X's that you cannot see and give you an ah when your time is up. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, we're going to get into it. Let me pull it up. In three, two, one, go. How about Jaron Thompson? That's not the player you were probably expecting to come out of this Texas-Alabama game. You didn't expect me talking about him, but he had a key interception in that game. He played really well the entire game against Alabama safety. Projected to be a late, mid to late day three pick. I think he's going to move up draft boards into early day three. May even be able to sneak in to day two with a couple, if he can string together a couple really good games. Very impressive performance in the secondary. Very sound in coverage. Good tackler. Quinn Ewers, though. This is where the magic gets started because we've been talking about Shadur Sanders. We've been talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May. Quinn Ewers is in that conversation as well to be a high draft pick and against a significantly good Alabama team, significantly better opponent than what they faced in week one, 346 passing yards, three touchdowns was spot on throughout really the entire game. There were a couple passes early on, but once he got settled in and got into a rhythm, there was no stopping him. He was fantastic. Had a great chemistry with Jatavion Sanders, mm. but five catches for 114 yards. He's got decent speed for a tight end and open space. So it's about the, you know, he's not the greatest blocker. And we, you could even see when you watch the game, he wasn't the greatest blocker. Uh, has some things he needs to clean up in his game he's still very raw but you see the athletic potential he has as a receiver going up the scenes he knows how to separate uh how about dj brown strong safety from notre dame with some key plays in their win over nc state xavier weaver we're talking about sanders but he's got a wide receiver in xavier weaver that's really really good he's a transfer 30 from seconds Florida. 10 receptions 170 yards one touchdown uh, a key part in colorado's big win this past weekend gonna be faced against colorado state this week let's see if he can string together another good game Cameron Kitchens, we talked about him this offseason. Safety from Miami could be a first or second round pick. One interception, seven tackles in Miami's big win over Texas A&M. And Tyler Van Dyke, his quarterback, 21 of 30, 374 yards, five passing touchdowns. He's a more confident quarterback going through his progressions. He is in very good shape to have a rebound season. If he does rebound the whole year, could be 
a first round draft pick. <clears throat> How was that for timing? That was good. I let you go over by three seconds just because you were on a oh. roll. And I, I didn't want to throw you off. But. <laughs> see, we can't, we, it, we can't see each other. So this is, yeah. you know, it, it's a little bit different, but I yeah. got to get, I got to get a timer up for you now. I'm excited to see, cause you've, how are you going to get everything that happened in the world of fantasy football in two minutes this past week? Well, I, I'm not. I'm just going to hit the highlights. <laughs> but man, <laughs> it, it, it where do you draw crazy. the line, though? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So just to to clarify, I'm going off of the Sunday action. Okay, so nothing from Monday night since typically when we record this, that game will not be over. And then I'm going to avoid Thursday night as well, unless something crazy happens, just because uh, of the you know, weird nature of Thursday night football as well. So we'll stick with Sunday's action here. I'm going to highlight uh, those, those items, good bets and bad bets, things that uh, you, you like to see when, as you're moving forward and then uh, bad bets, just to clarify is stuff that went wrong from this week that probably could have some sticking power, at least in the, in the near future. Uh, So things to consider in that regard. All right, on your mark, get set, go. All right, let's start. Where, where else can you start? But in Miami with this Dolphins air attack that went absolutely nutso with Tua scoring 30 points, but in doing so, put up 466 yards passing and three touchdowns. This is crazy stuff from from Tua Tungvaluwa, who – uh, is now on the MVP watch very early this season. His his lines have jumped way up in that regard. But uh, talking about his top target, Tyreek Hill, 44.5 PPR fantasy points this week. That's crazy. And the thing I wanted to highlight here is this week it was Hill. Next week it could be Waddle just as easily that goes off. This offense is going to be interchangeable in that regard as teams kind of bounce back and forth and try to figure out who to guard. But still, get get a piece of this Dolphins air attack while you can. The Falcons running back duo, B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier, put up 20 and 24 PPR fantasy points, respectively. They were rocking and rolling, and this Falcons running game is going to do the same thing all season. Anthony Richardson, 22 points in his debut as a rookie and the Cowboys defense special teams unit put up 35 points with two touchdowns. That's the good bets, the bad bets, the Steelers offense. We'll get into that later. So I don't need to dive into it here. The tight end position, the top four scores Andrew, in Sunday football, the top four scores at tight end were Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, and Dylan Parham. How about that list of names leading the way in fantasy football at the tight end position? And then to round it off, T. Higgins, zero points on eight targets. 0 for 8 from Joe Burrow. Missed him every single time. That Bengals offense, we've talked about it, Andrew. There's some potential issues there, and they reared their ugly heads in week one. That's good bets. That's bad bets. Good job. Episode one. To keep it straight, I gave you three seconds as well. So hey, there we go. It. it worked out it. well. I was it's glad it. that you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys defense because I had them in one league. And I think in that league, the way the settings worked, they got me 46 points. Whoa. And then I had – there was another league that I believe I was going against someone who had the Cowboys defense. So it was a little bit challenging to figure out what I wanted in that game. But needless to say, my teams overall did not do as well as I was hoping. I won in one of my main leagues. 
I think I won in three of the eight overall. I think I'm going to lose in five. So got to do better next week. Yeah, it was a tough week for me as well in some regards. Uh, One of my leagues, I'm playing an opponent that had both the Dallas Cowboys defense and Tyreek Hill this week. (laughs) I put up 140 points, and I will still lose in a major way this week. So uh, not great. I'll probably have the second highest score in the the league and still lose to that situation. Not fun. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break on the Steelers fix here and uh, get to our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into the topic of today's show, which really is whether or not this was just a bad day for Pittsburgh or if this is a big deal after week one. We'll break down some performances on the offense and defensive sides of the ball. We'll break down each unit individually as well as a a whole. So stick around. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the Steelers Fix. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix podcast, a part of the Steel Curtain Network. Andrew, the Steel Curtain Network is hurting this week after hyping up this Pittsburgh Steelers team all offseason, all training camp, all preseason. Uh, You and I have been on board with this team, and I'm not jumping off ship yet. Just to clarify, I don't think you are either based on our conversation at the beginning. I don't think anybody's really jumping off the ship here at the Steel Curtain Network, but We are eating some crow after week one where a really, really good San Francisco team came into uh, Akershire Stadium, excuse me, and gave us an old-fashioned butt-whooping in our hometown in front of a lot of Niner fans. It's not going to sit well with the Steelers, hopefully. It's not sitting well with their fans. Hopefully this was the wake-up call that sometimes comes in week six or seven, for a Steelers team, but this time, week one, you can't leave this game with any sort of uh, feeling other than we're going to lose a lot of games if we don't fix ourselves. So what I wanted to do is kind of break this down here. Let's start with the let's start with the defensive side of the ball. We, a lot of people start with the offense. Let's start with the defense just to just to mix it up a little bit here. I'm going to ask you a question. Andrew, and then um, if you have a topic you want to do the same thing about about the defense, you can ask me. But and then the same question will be asked about this situation, whether this is just a bad day at the office or if this is a big deal moving forward. So my question to you is, Andrew, is this secondary going to keep letting receivers just run wide open? across the middle of the field. Is this a bad day at the office for a new Steelers secondary, or is this a big deal moving forward? I think more than anything, it may have been a bad day at the office for Terrell Austin. He had a lot of – we every – what? I don't know if this is of Terrell Austin or if this is of Mike Tomlin, but every year we always, for some reason, we lie to ourselves and believe that we're going to play tighter coverage, and we still go back to our typical soft zone and off-man coverages, and it just allows for so much space to work underneath. 
We saw Levi Wallace struggle yesterday with just this change of direction, keeping up when he had his eyes on the quarterback, wasn't quick to react, and we saw what happened in coverage. He got toasted. Yeah. And I, I, I think it was a bad day more than anything for everyone, but I do think it puts the starters on alert that, hey, the Steelers do have a Joey Porter Jr. who can come in and – potentially play some really competent football. The leash is going to be really short for guys like Levi Wallace. I believe Dave Schofield yeah. mentioned that in an article today at steelcurtainnetwork.com. So be sure to go and check that out. But I'm telling you what, it's, I, I it was a bad day. I, I don't think this is going to define the Steelers secondary for the year. There's too much talent in the secondary. Patrick Peterson, I don't believe is a complete wash. We know what Minka is. And I think there's enough young pieces and enough young talent there where the Steelers can fix this. And I trust Terrell Austin to fix the secondary, but I want to know who's responsible for playing the soft coverage yeah. that is still killing this team. The sailors we feel have the capability to play tighter coverage. And we say it every year, but yet nothing changes. And I believe until the Steelers have a philosophical change, we're going to see the same story over and over. Yeah. My thought was, and I mentioned this on, on Twitter X Twix that I like to call it. Yes. Um, <laughs> mentioned this, that I think, the Steelers might want to consider their rookies getting into more game action quickly because uh, the big theme amongst the rookies was physicality. And that's what I thought was missing from this game, especially in the secondary. Like you said, soft zone coverage all around. Joey Porter Jr. Isn't going to come in and just let people run by him and, and, and not play physical. That's he's a physical move. You off your spot corner. And I think that it would be really good for the Steelers to kind of throw him in in the fire, especially this week against a, a Browns team that you don't really fear the passing game too much, especially after what we saw in week one. You fear that run game. You need some physicality up front. Keanu Benton was the most physical defensive lineman after Cam, um, Cam Hayward got hurt. And uh, the PFF grades show that he was very good against the run, actually. Um, uh, the other, the rest of the team was not get him in there more. He needs to be a bigger part of the defense. And then, you know, Broderick Jones, that that's his calling card at offensive tackle. And we'll get to the offense later, but just getting some physicality in in on this team, um, either preaching that to the guys that are in the starting roles and saying, you guys better show some physicality because we got physical rookies waiting in the wings or just going ahead and turning turning it over to these rookies and seeing what they can do. You know, you got to stick with your plan a little bit, but at least, you know, if you're the Steelers, if you're Steelers fans out there that this team has a, a physical makeup uh, in the players that, that are on the roster, it's just, uh, can they, can they put them in the right position to, to succeed in that regard? So that was my, my biggest question about the defense was, you know, outside of obviously the, the rush defense, which we'll probably get to here as well just it was too easy for Brock Purdy out there it was just too easy Kenny Pickens having to fight for every inch of field space to throw a football into uh and Brock Purdy staring at wide open Brandon Ayuk on nine targets or whatever it was that he caught all 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 of them and that's just ridiculous can't happen again I agree 100 and I, I just want to throw this out there to see what you think if I know that Chris Jones is probably out of the picture now, but do you, could you see the Steelers potentially trading for a defensive tackle with the injury to Hayward? Let's say it's week three, the Steelers are one and two, 
and they, it's clear that they need to add someone else on the defensive yeah. line. Do you think that that is something that this front office would consider? Well, I don't know, but I know fans are already clamoring for JJ Watt coming out of retirement oh, <laughs> of all please, things. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the Steelers fan base, they'll go after a Watt if it's, if it's a wife of a Watt, they, they just want Watts on their team. So, <laughs> That's so um, true. yeah, so we'll see. I, I could see it happening. Um, if, Cam Hayward's looking at IR and, and a really long time um, of missing games. Steelers could do that, but they do have depth. I mean, they've got Braden Fajoko on the practice squad, so he's going to get elevated this week. Let's see what the Steelers can do. you got to bring that physicality and stuff the run uh, against the Browns, or you're going to lose again in week two. So we will see for sure. Um, Andrew, another thing I noticed here, we had concerns about this linebacker group heading into the regular season uh, throughout training camp and everything. And some of those concerns were alleviated during training camp. They looked like they were playing fast and physical, but then the 49ers came to town and this team that stretches the field, like nobody else that gets people out in space, creates one-on-one mismatches uh, with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon, Ayuk, all these guys. They came into town and just and threw these linebackers for a loop. Cole Holcomb is out there with his uh, – he doesn't look lost. Uh, Elandon Roberts is trying to chase CMC down into the flat, and that's just a nightmare to watch. Hmm. Um, Quan Alexander, you know, wasn't asked to do a lot in coverage from what I could tell, but still, it is this going to be a big issue moving forward, or is this just a, a bad day at the office for this linebacker group uh, getting outside and in space and making plays. The linebackers are my biggest concern for this defense right now. Cause you were right. I was going to mention Cole Holcomb. He was probably the biggest disappointment of any player. I saw maybe on either side of the ball based upon expectations. We can talk about Dan Moore and how bad he played. We can talk about other guys, but if you're going by pure expectation, especially after the contract he signed this off season, I don't know if anyone of anyone who is more disappointing on the Steelers in week one than Cole Holcomb. He did nothing right. He was lost in coverage. He didn't read the run well. He was he was struggling to get off blocks and be able to make plays against the run. He was not able to change direction, be able to cut upfield, to be able to chase ball carriers that had already passed him, i.e. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey on a couple occasions. <laughs> it it was it was just bad in every way possible. I think the best way for the Steelers to go about this is since he's supposed to be good against the run. We'll see if that happens next week. He's going to play a prominent role against the Browns. And if he can't cut it, I think you have to let Kawan Alexander have a chance to be starting maybe even on early downs just because of his value as in coverage. And we saw how bad Holcomb and Aladdin Roberts were in coverage. So maybe the way to go is to make Kwan Alexander that guy. I know he was kind of this last guy that was a later addition, but I think he may be the guy that you got to bring in at some point. Uh, even if it, even on early running downs, I know he doesn't have the size that you look for, but you may have to if Cole Holcomb yeah. can't cut it next week because this, I mean, the next week are those are the types of games that you have to have players like that show up, and if he doesn't show up, he doesn't have any value to this team. Yeah, the the contrast, Andrew, between Fred Warner and Drake Greenlaw, oh. and what the Steelers were rolling out there at linebacker was was flagrantly. Um, unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I there's not big enough 
crazy enough words to describe the difference in skill and ability between what the what the 49ers trot out at linebacker and what the Steelers roll out there. It's just an unbelievable thing to watch. Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw controlled the game in the middle of the field as much as anything for this San Francisco defense. And the Steelers couldn't couldn't get anything going. I mean, the bread and butter of a Matt Canada offense, which we can get to in a little bit as well, uh, the comebacks and the and the kind of uh, squatter routes in, yeah. in zone, just they were eaten alive by these two linebackers, and um, that's an issue <laughs> when you when you look at what the Steelers were rolling out there. So uh, crazy stuff. Anything else on the defense you want to bring up uh, before we move to the offensive side? I don't think so. It's, I mean, you could make an argument that in the limited time that Devin Bush played, despite in a losing effort for Seattle, that he may have played better than Cole Holcomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Very limited say, playing time. He was a backup, but in the time yeah. he played, he did well. He had a solo tackle in there. I believe he played a little bit on special teams. Didn't really do anything wrong. Well, he was out on the field. I mean, that was, was more than Cole Holcomb could say. Yeah. I, Coverage linebacker has to be a, a big time need for the Steelers this offseason. I, I don't yeah. know what you do for it, um, but I mean they're they're going to have to. And the safeties, <laughs> the safeties were an issue too. Demonte KZ was getting eaten up on the football field. I mean he could looked you, terrible. Could you imagine how different the game would have been potentially on the defensive side of the ball? If the Steelers would have signed Tremaine Edmonds and brought back Terrell Edmonds. That would have done yeah. so much for this run defense yesterday. Yeah, it could have. I mean. All the good stuff that that we've seen the team do, all the good things that Omar Khan put together this offseason, it was all good on paper. In practice, we're, we, we may start to see not so much, but that's why I'm saying maybe this was just a bad day at the office for the Steelers. You know, we've got to keep that in perspective here too. Uh, there's yeah. going to be a lot of negatives uh, being talked about this week. So I, I agree with the sentiment here that, hey, Bad first week, really tough opponent, not a good matchup for Pittsburgh. Maybe we should have seen that coming a little bit more and not been so blinded with our our black and gold lenses of of the beauty of the preseason. But um, it was it was an intense wake up call for the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans. Let's move to the offensive side of the ball, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this question first because this was has been the big talking point on uh, social media about the Steelers was this on Kenny Pickett and execution or was this on Matt Canada and scheme? I think there, it has to be a combination of both because Kenny Pickett was not accurate at all. He was rattled. Part of that could be due to offensive line. Part of it could be to maybe lack of trust in the play calling, but it's it, we put too much faith in the preseason. I think we're all guilty of that to an extent. We we always say, you know, well, yeah, it's just the preseason, but we look at it and we see how well the Steelers played in the preseason. And it's like, well, imagine what it's going to be like when we're, you know, trying full fledged. Yeah. We have the whole playbook open. There was nothing we saw in the game yesterday that we didn't see in the preseason from a play calling perspective. Yeah. It's, it's just backhand. His playbook is not that deep. And it's going to limit this offense. Again, I think the one good thing about having, I, I, I shouldn't say the one good thing. I'm, I don't want to blast Kenny Pickett. I, I, I hope he does well. And I think he's going to be okay. But I, I think the one positive of having 
a local quarterback that the ownership is behind is that I believe that may actually incentivize the Steelers to get rid of Matt Canada finally, yeah. like we've been saying they've needed to for a couple years now. It's been too long, and regardless of how well the Steelers rebound here, I don't think there's any reason to keep Matt Canada. He's shown what he is at this point. It's time to move on. It's just such a simple scheme. I mean, the 49ers had it figured out uh, by play two on, on the jet sweep <laughs> to right. uh, to Calvin Austin the third. And so, you know, I like I was mentioning at the beginning or earlier when we were talking the defense, the, one of the staples for some reason of this Matt Canada offense is the, the sticks and comebacks and, and zone beaters. Like if you watch – I made the, uh, another point on Twitter this uh, this week that or after the game that the the Shanahan tree went off this week. The Packers scored 38 points. The Rams and Niners scored 30 points, and then you had the um, right. uh, you had the the Dolphins score 36 points. So and nobody's sitting still in these in these. Kyle Shanahan offenses as far as receivers running routes nobody's coming back to the football on comebacks and stuff it's crossers it's posts it's it's and I'm not even a a, a scheme guy I don't you know I don't right. know all the ins and out layers but all I all you see is guys catching passes on the run uh in these offenses and then for the Steelers it's you you're coming back to the football coming back to the quarterback you got to catch it and then you got to make a, a crazy move like Deontay Johnson did on the play he got hurt to get any yardage up the field and George Pickens is only being thrown the ball on comeback routes on the outside. I mean, this is crazy stuff. So all that being said here, is that the overarching issue of, of scheme or whatever, is that bad day at the office or is this a big deal moving forward? I tend to believe this, this might be a bigger deal moving forward. I tend to agree as well. I don't really... I don't have a huge bit to add on it other than, yeah, Matt Canada needs to go. <laughs> it's, 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 I was just yeah. going to add on to, yeah, I mean, the, the reason that, the reason that Matt Canada, you, you know, you wanted it to, to maybe work is that he can get the running game going and maybe work something off of that with the jet motions, but it's just so predictable. And Kenny Pickett, um, I guess at this point you're just hoping that maybe the 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 players at the skill positions are good enough eventually to overcome the issues in scheme because there's going to be issues in scheme all year. Matt Canada's offense isn't going to change overnight. He's not going to start running Mike McDaniel stuff in week four. He's going to run Matt Canada stuff all year. And so, if you're a Steelers fan, there were issues in execution. Kenny Pickett looked rough. There were issues in and separation and, and routes and an offensive line uh, blocking up the running game and, and running backs vision. There were issues in execution across the board that can be fixed. What can't be fixed is Matt Canada changing his system in the middle of the year to a competent offensive system. I'm not throwing all the blame on Matt Canada for this performance, but he has a role in this, especially when you're not setting up players for success <coughs> Excuse me. I imagine George Pickens in one of these high-powered offenses, and I think he's probably on his way to an offensive player of the year type uh, campaign yes. in Pittsburgh. I don't know if they have the the scheme intact to highlight him. I I agree with that. And 
how many weeks are we going to get Pat Meyer as well? And I know that we're probably going to mention something about the offensive line in a minute anyways, but how, how long are we giving Pat Meyer? Yeah. I mean, the, the seat has to get warm for him at some point too. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the other question I have about the offense uh, is the offensive line, as you alluded to here is, was this a game script issue and just a bad game for the Steelers where, you know, you just couldn't run the ball anymore because you got down so fast because you couldn't convert anything on, on third down and, and you couldn't move the ball at all. And your, your punter forgot how to kick a ball more than 30 yards when you're pinned down in your on your own side of the field. Um, you know, it's, those are my questions. Is this offensive line actually built to be more physical this year or have we been hyping it up too much? Um, over a, a long break where we've we've forgotten just how bad they were. It takes offensive lines a long time to gel. I think it it will improve slowly as the season progresses. Yeah. However, I don't know if there's an answer for Dan Moore. Dan yeah. Moore played bad, <laughs> like it was so so bad. And I, I understand he's faced up some against Nick Bosa. Some, uh, you know, I mean, the it was a tough challenge for him. But this week he's going against Miles Garrett, a player who he's actually had success against if yeah. he can't do better this weekend, I'm not talking about do better. Cause I don't really think you can do much worse than he did in week <laughs> one. Right. If, if you can see significant improvement, like, okay, he actually plays well at that point, you got to be like Broderick Jones, bring him on. Let's see what happens because right. it was egregious watching him out there. He was off balanced. He was overpowered. He was leaving his chest exposed. It was technically, the game was all bad. I'm not going to lay that all on Dan Moore. And right. there, there were issues along the offensive line at different times. So it wasn't just one player. But I believe the other guys have the talent and the ability to fix what is wrong. The tackles, though, a little bit more suspect. I think the interior of the line is going to be fine. It yeah. just takes time to gel. You have three different, very, very different style Sure. players that are having to gel together you have james daniels who's a super mobile guy who's very light on his feet you have somalo who's this physical specimen who likes to grind in the trenches and then you have mason cole who's kind of in between he's not the most athletic guy but he's consistent he's got solid footwork all those three styles they don't all they are not all from the same collegiate schemes the same nfl schemes for the vets you know there's a lot that goes into an offensive line gelling i think they will be fine it's just yeah can Broderick Jones step in and be the answer the Steelers need him to be at left tackle? Because Dan Moore, I don't think can be. Yeah, um, at some point you might just consider putting Darnell Washington at one of the tackle spots. And uh, <laughs> I mean, there were people uh, there were people saying yeah. that during the draft process. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, I know, you know a lot of people talking up the the pancake block that he had on on um, Nick Bosa. Uh, Nick Bosa was kind of diving at the running backs legs backwards mm -hmm. a little bit to, to get there. So it, he assisted in his own pancake, if you will, but still Darno Washington had him, had him dead to rights. He wasn't going anywhere. Um, that was, that's another thing here, just kind of my sweeping statements here. And I, I do lean more towards, this was just a bad day at the office for, for the Steelers. Then there's sweeping huge issues that are going to be a problem in week 10 for this team that were a, a problem in week one. There might be a few things here and there. The linebackers concern me, um, obviously, but this San Francisco front seven, one of the best in football, their interior defensive line, one of the best in football. Uh, it, it was a week one performance. The Steelers had relied in 
the last couple of years on out muscling and out f- and being more physical than two very finesse teams in, in Buffalo uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Anyway, in Buffalo and Cincinnati, they won those games. Uh, they came across a physical juggernaut here in San Francisco and uh, it did not go to their advantage. So bad day at the office. Yes. The biggest thing though, can Kenny Pickett um, calm down <laughs> yeah. and, and hit open receivers, make the throws that we know he can make. We saw it in training camp in the preseason. We even saw it to a point in, in the second half of last season, though he still had some scattershot moments. Can he get the ball down on receivers and, and in the right spot? Because the Steelers scored seven points in this game. It should have been at least 14. Kenny Pickett missed a wide open Deontay Johnson for a touchdown on a drive that they ended up going for it and not scoring any points. And then you could, you could say that, you know, with some better, more accurate throws, there were, there were open receivers. That's why you can't put all the blame on Canada. You know, there were open receivers. If Kenny Pickett hits those guys, you get more points out of this and, and a 30 to seven loss for Pittsburgh turns maybe into a, a 30 to, to 20 or a 30 to 23 loss instead. And maybe you're feeling a little bit better as a, as Steelers nation. It was just kind of a com a combination of a bunch of errors and Kenny Pickett probably played his worst game as a professional. And I think the arrow is going to, to point up uh, it's going to get better. So that's why I lean towards bad day at the office. Uh, Andrew, your final overall thoughts on bad day or big deal moving forward. Overall, I think it was bad day outside of the linebackers and Dan Moore. I think everything else is fixable if you want to put in the firing of Matt Kanda, but I still don't know what you're (laughs) going to get out there in terms of an offensive coordinator mid-season. But everything else, as it pertains to the offense, I think everything on offense can be fixed, including Kenny Pickett, but I don't think that – Matt Kanda automatically limits the Steelers offense from being great. It may be solid, but it's never going to live up to its potential under Matt Canada. It's just not going to. And we see the talent that the Steelers have. This team has, I mean, we saw Calvin Austin playing. I mean, if you want to talk about a a low key winner on offense, I would almost go with Calvin Austin. He ran some solid routes out there. He looked like an NFL receiver, which a lot of people had questioned, you know, if he's, you know, if he's still extremely raw, he can actually provide significant playing time. And I, you know, we'll see if Deontay Johnson's, you know, issue is going to be anything right. lingering, but regardless, I think Calvin Austin can play some solid snaps. The Steelers have, or I mean, the Steelers have four legitimately good receivers. Yeah. One of which I believe has the chance to be a superstar, but will yeah. he ever be a superstar in Matt Canada's offense? He yeah. might, but if he does, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot because Deontay Johnson is the focal point of Matt Canada's offense still. And that needs to change. It needs to become George Pickens. We see the talent. And as it pertains to the running game, there's nothing creative outside of a jet sweep here and there. And the jet sweep's really not that creative uh, at this point. There's nothing the Steelers can necessarily do right now. But the Mike Tomlin is paying for maybe being too set in his ways on this philosophy of keeping assistant coaches around longer than they should be. And the continuity. Sometimes continuity is good. Other times continuity can make you a stale offense. And that's what's happened with the Steelers. Yes, sir. Well, Andrew, 
I can't say it was fun necessarily <laughs> after no. a rough week, um, but a, a good good talk here. I think um, you know if if the Steelers listen to us and and Steelers fans listen to us, then you know the Steelers will be fixed. Like like the title of the of this podcast is the Steelers fix. We're here to help help this team get fixed. So um, if you're listening, Mike Tomlin, I know you are. Um, take our, our assessment to heart here and, uh, let's make some changes here. Let's, let's come prepared for uh, a Browns team that looked really good. Uh, but it is a division opponent, an opponent, you know, well, I'd expect things to turn around for the Steelers a little bit in week two. I don't necessarily believe that they will win or, or even, you know, totally change fans minds after the drubbing that we've seen, but for now, it's only week one. Take a deep breath. Let's let this breathe a little bit. Let's let it play out a little bit before we're all doomsday. Andrew, it's fun always to talk with you. What you got coming up on the website before we go here that Steelers Nation can look forward to? Well, check out my AFC news, AFC North News and Notes article. That's going to be a weekly thing throughout the season. There's a lot to talk about from the injuries to J.K. Dobbins, Cameron Hayward, and the Bengals beatdown. Uh, there's a lot that's <laughs> going to be unfolding in that article this week, but be sure to check that out. Also going to be looking at a few players that significantly need to step up their game if they, unless they want to see decreased playing time and uh, a detriment, yeah. uh, a detrimental week two loss to the Cleveland Browns. These three players are really going to need to step up in week two. So be sure to check out those two articles. And I guess next week, I don't know when we're going to record Jeremy. We may be recording during the Steelers game and be giving a live breakdown. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we could. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. We'll we'll talk it over, see what's going on. Sometimes the schedule changes yeah. as far as podcasts go um, with uh, Monday night or Thursday night performance. So stay tuned to the Steel Curtain Network for updates in that regard. Follow along on fansforsports.com and steelcurtainnetwork.com. And uh, I'll be writing uh, an updated power rankings article. The Steelers will be falling in that. The 49ers will be rising in that. And uh, so check out where these teams uh, land in, in my weekly power rankings look. And then also uh, we'll have a fantasy football article coming your way as far as potential waiver wire ads and trade pickups as well. So with that being said, for Andrew Wilbar, my name is Jeremy Betts. Thank you for joining us on the Steelers Fix. We'll see you next Tuesday.